We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm here. Cooley is here. Rate us and review us wherever you can do so, um, especially on Apple and Spotify. A quick five-star uh, rating and a one-to-two-sentence review really helps. Uh, from Ral John, um, it's like Christmas morning uh, to hear your podcast. Love when Cooley is on. Uh, from Nick, uh, can't wait for Tommy and Cooley when they're on. I guess Rigo needs to be paid. I don't I don't know if Rigo needs to be paid. I just think Rigo does his own thing and that's uh he's I've asked him, he's just really not available um to do anything than the stuff he's doing. I love Rigo um and get along with him great. Uh and uh from Eric, there's nothing better than the Cooley film breakdown. Please keep it coming for these very important final four weeks of the season and some. And I guess the end sum would be, and maybe a playoff game or two. Uh, I want to start. We're going to get to keys to beating the Giants, and we'll talk about that. I've got I've got a prediction. I've got a smell test on the show today. Did you watch San Francisco and Seattle last night? Yeah, I watched it. I watched the whole game. And well, first of all, I tried to go with a buddy who is in town to dinner and watch the game i do realize the prime amazon prime problem at a restaurant yeah right well remember well we we went to dinner but it was it was on oh it was on. i know but then this one this one was on but they like they couldn't get it we got there at 6 30 when the game was starting right and it was the it was an hour and a half pre-game whatever they had on we asked three or four times if they could fast forward it he said no they didn't know how to. Oh. So, had to, Wait a like, minute. They, somehow they had started it from scratch. I don't know if it, or if it was on an NFL channel that started an hour and a half late. You know, on Amazon Prime, I mean, you can pause it just like you can do with anything. You can rewind it. Right. You can fast forward it. All he had to do was fast forward it to where it was live. I'm... Yeah, no, I'm pretty clear on that. <laughs> I so we didn't. So we we knew what the score was at the end of the first quarter, and so I got home and I just put it like three minutes left in the first quarter. It was a, it was the third quarter by I got by the time I got home. 
And so we watched the very end of the first quarter and watched San Francisco down, <laughs> go down and score, and then just fast-forwarded through commercials and, and, and watched the rest of the game. I don't think I was that far behind the finish. Did you ask to just say, can you just give me your remote yeah. control and I can take care of it for you? I can get us to live? <laughs> so there's these little, like, two forward triangles. Um, you just push that, and then it goes you know, kind of where you want it, and then you, you push play. It's a bigger triangle. Um, so just pop that one in there. I, <laughs> I, send I, it over to real time. I've been in a place. It was frustrating. I've been in a place before where the bartender or the person in the restaurant just had no idea how to work the remote to get the station that we needed up. And I just said, hey, if you just hand me the remote, I'll, I can figure it out, you know, whether it's DirecTV or, you know, cable Xfinity or, uh, you know, Fios, whatever it is, I'll be able to figure out and I'll find the station. And, and that's happened before. Um, yeah, that would have been kind of frustrating. I, I don't know what you thought. I probably should have asked for the room. They're, they're nice people. I mean, I probably should ask for the remote more, but we just we ate and went home. Okay. What was the what, what was the place? Where'd you eat? Where'd you eat, Cody or pal? We ate at a burger pizza place in Pal. Okay. By the way, it is so, so. cold out there, isn't it? Like, I, as you know, I have Pal Wyoming on my um, <laughs> weather app. It's 11 degrees, and next week you're going to be like 15 below zero at night. Good God. Except I'm not going to be here. And uh, somehow over the last two days, the weather changed for next week. It was supposed to be Monday, Tuesday. We're supposed to be really cold. But they're not. I don't know, Kev. It's amazing. Like It's cold today for sure. But it's calm. There's no wind. The sun's out. It's going to be 28. It, it, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't. I, I mean, it, it is cold. I'm over it. Like, it's been cold here since. It was really warm until October, the last week of October, and then it was immediately really cold. You know, so, I mean, I, I think this is what, different for us this year. I mean, you've told me this before, but when you are used to bitter cold, and then it's not windy, it's sunny, and yet you know it's only eighteen degrees. It feels like it would feel like it was fifty here in the middle of winter. Thirty-five. Okay. Thirty-five. Forty. That's fine. We are um, supposed to have quite a week next week heading into Christmas. There's a chance for a big snowstorm at the end of next week, although the forecast will change on that 15 times before um, the end of next week. But um, it's going to be super cold uh, end of next week right through apparently New Year's. Um, and, and super cold for us means, you know, 20s during the day, you know, teens and single digits at night. Um, but if it snows, that would be nice. We have not had a white Christmas since 2009. You were here. We had a blizzard the week before Christmas, and it kind of melted a little bit, but it was still a white Christmas by the time we got to a week later. But it's, you know, it's rare around here to have that, um, and it looks like there's a chance for that. But anyway, back to the game. What did you think of the 49ers? They're unbelievable on defense. God. They're I just absolutely unbelievable on defense. I mean, Joey Bosa is a monster. And that game was over. It should have been 28 to 6 with a pick 6 that they called back on a Bosa roughing that in no way was roughing the passer. And I think Herb Street said, you know, he can't finish the play there. 
Like he ran him into his own guy, and then just uh, he hit him with the ball. Terrible zero. call. Terrible call. How, how is it? it's a it's a horrible call, especially when you're on the 49ers, which I was. But it, it ended up okay. But that 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 ends that game. You know, there's the one series late in the game that San Francisco allows Seattle to just go down, boom, 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 make some plays. Um, no offense, scores, and you're like, oh my god, this is a, actually a game. This hasn't. It wasn't a game. I mean, San Francisco is clearly the better team. I didn't think Purdy was amazing. I, I'm really impressed by him. Um, you know, I he, was he was amazing. I thought Kyle, yeah, he hurt, had hurt ribs. Yeah. I like him. Like, he moves in the pocket well. You can see he's like shoulder, shoulder turn, eyes all over the place, and he's capable of finding receivers. You know, he had a couple inaccurate throws. He had a couple really good throws. And then they had a couple really creative plays. You know, the, the first touchdown to Kittle is – a double pump screen left, pump screen right, <laughs> wide dump in the middle yeah. is a fun play, you know. And then he and Purdy executed that well. And it was funny. I was watching it again with my buddy, and they're hyping Purdy. And I <laughs> said, "What do you, you got?" It's somewhere in the fourth quarter. I'm like two hundred five yards passing. I mean, he's not lighting up the stat sheet. Well, um, is is but, he is he that much? But he was good. He was good enough. How is he compared to Garoppolo? The same, maybe, <laughs> maybe potentially better. I don't like Jimmy G. I'm not a huge fan. I then we can run through what he's done in certain games in the playoffs, and, and obviously I understand that. But week in and week out, I'm not. I don't think Jimmy G's an All Star, mm-hmm. a Pro Bowler. I mean, I don't know. I, like there's just a, they're a really sound football team. They run the ball consistently. Um, they they don't put the quarterback in compromising positions. They play excellent defense, and they got flagged about eight times last night that were really questionable. And and the, the, some of the calls like they should have got a play at, at, uh, on a fourth down and two, or they went to a fourth and two at the end of the half or whatever with the with the neutral zone infraction that somehow they didn't get a play. Right. I mean, they had. I, I thought that it was refereed more towards Seattle. It felt like it. Um. So a couple of things. You were in San Francisco. I mean, I'm surprised because Seattle was, you know, and I, I know, I obviously stuck, I, know. I stuck my neck out um, with Tommy yesterday, um, basically saying that I, I, I loved the game. I loved Carolina last week. I've been red hot, as you know, with the smell test. So it's, you know, it's one game. Seattle was the sharp side. Um, and yet, I said to Tommy yesterday, I don't like if I were just analyzing this game, I wouldn't like Seattle at all because I think the 49ers are really, really good. But, you know, I, I, I kind of guessed, well, it's Purdy's, you know, first, you know, road start. It's one of the most difficult places to play. Seattle's yep. super desperate. Um, he's also banged up. Who knows? You might get Josh Johnson. Um, but uh, obviously Seattle was the wrong side. The one thing that I would disagree with you on is at the end of the first half, um, Purdy put uh, in a 7-3 to game, he put one up for grabs that was an absolute pick six. Not pick six, but it was a pick that would have gotten returned that would have made the score either 10-7 Seattle at halftime or 7-6 to at halftime. Instead, he dropped the interception. They punted, and there was a fumble, and San Francisco got a touchdown before half. And that was the opera. Right. That was really the game right there, because that was the chance. Now, late when they scored to make it twenty-one thirteen, of course, I'm thinking, 
you know, let's get a stop, let's get a touchdown, two point conversion, miss, and a twenty one to nineteen final. I'll take that right <laughs> they're now. Not, they're not go- yeah, they're not going for it at home. But I, but I would have, I would have felt. Um, well, they would have needed to go for two. They were down eight, and I, and I, and yeah, and, yeah, actually, that's true. And so I, um, and and I would have. I, I would have felt like I stole one for sure because the 49ers, I've been saying this for several weeks now, and obviously the Purdy situation and the Garoppolo situation, you know, made everybody hesitate. That's the fastest and most aggressive defense in the NFL, and it's one of the fastest NFL defenses I've seen in a long time. I don't think that anybody's a better or more disruptive defensive player and pass rusher than Nick Bosa. But my God, is Fred Warner and Greenlaw and all of these guys are just so fast. And, you know, Seattle's been a really good offensive team. Actually, I thought Geno Smith made some really good throws under duress in this game. I mean, you know, Metcalf and Lockett are good receivers, but Geno Smith has impressed me all year. He can make every throw, and I think he's got real poise in the pocket. But that's that's a team where, I mean, Boso was literally by his guy and on Geno Smith within two seconds. Not even. Um, I don't... He had it figured out in the second half. He's playing against two rookie ta- two rookie tackles on the I other know. side. I know. But he had to figure but by the second half. He had a, he had the timing down. And I'll tell you what. I think Cross, the their first round pick, is the guy that Washington would have thought about taking if he was going to be there at eleven. And I think he's played pretty well this year. But I, uh, my, my personal view on the 49ers is this. Um, I think it's going to be – I don't care who's playing quarterback. And that's a, an amazing statement, right, because the NFL amazing. is such a, a quarterback league, and yet this year feels just a little bit different, especially in the NFC. I just think they are the best coach team. I think they are the best. I think they've got probably as good a skill position set as any uh, team in the league. They didn't even have Debo Samuel. And by the way, Ray Ray, Mc, Ray, Ray McLeod looked like Debo Samuel incarnate. Um, but when they get Debo back, it's even more d- dangerous. I mean, the Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo, um, it's J- Juwan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it's hard to match their skill position players. You said it, by the way, on the trade for McCaffrey, which a lot of people thought was way too much. You said they're going to be unstoppable because now Jimmy G's got basically the answers to the test. Well, maybe that's what's, what's making it easy for Purdy. But it's just defensively, I mean I, – a San Francisco-Philadelphia NFC Championship game in Philadelphia would be one hell of a football game and one hell of a matchup. But I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, if not the best team in the NFL. And I say that not really having any idea what Brock Purdy really is. I mean, he's been impressive in these first two games. I mean, as much as you should be as a, as a, as a, the, the last pick in the draft. Um, but man, they are so good everywhere else, and they're so well coached. They, I, I, it's the weirdest thing in the world to, to say that this is a team that I still think is probably uh, that is a Super Bowl contender. That I think is a team that will probably get to the Super Bowl. That they started Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and now Brock Purdy. Yeah, and just you put it perfectly. I don't really care. <laughs> the, the, the difference is, and here's actually this is sort of crazy. If they do have the ability to score, I think, more than Washington does and have had games where they've scored more, 
But San Francisco, ultimately, to me, is a team that's going to win games 21-13 to against teams like Seattle. And they, they, that defense is that much better than Washington's defense. And Washington is playing great defense right now. But that defense is that much better. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, the biggest difference. And really, when you look at them, the biggest difference comes in the secondary. Like, that dude Ward locked down D.K. Metcalf. Locked, yeah. I, locked him down. And I, don't, I still don't care what anyone says. You can tell, you can tell me all day that he can run a route tree. He can run a slant, he can run a stick, and he can run a go. That's it. And he can't separate on anything. anything. Like, they threw him a back shoulder fade, and he doesn't quite get off the press, and he tar- starts turning around looking for the ball at five yards. Like he's, he knows he can big body guys. Yes. And he knows he can run by guys, but he, he, he does not finish a route. He does not set his foot and stick a route. He's, he's gronk as a receiver, which you have to appreciate. But that dude, I mean, Ward locked him down. He star covered him and locked him down. Hufanga's a really good safety. He's better than anything in Washington right now. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson is an yeah. awesome, outstanding safety. I mean, you go top to bottom on this defense, and you're like, oh, my God. But, like, I think Washington's D tackles are better, but you add Bosa on the edge, and that's, that's a massive difference. And Armstead's still a heck of a player. It's the speed to me that's so striking compared to the other really good defenses in the league, which there are several of this year. But it, it, it's their speed. I mean, whether it's Armstead, whether it's Bosa, whether it's Warner, Warner, just my God, he he also coolly has, I think, like you can describe it better, but I'll just say he has inc- incredible football IQ. He appears to know what the play is before the play starts on every single snap. He doesn't get fooled by anything, nothing. I, I I'm just no, he, I'm like, so impressed he's a, with him. He's a good pass. He's a, he's a very good pass defender. I'm trying to think. There, like I did freeze frame it once where they, Geno Smith scrambles on a third down play out to the right, and like Warner got turned around and underneath coverage like once. But he's, you know, he like he's an excellent pass cover guy. The 49ers are an excellent pass cover defense. They can blitz. They don't have to blitz. They create pressure no matter how they want to do it. They can present a ton of different looks, and they have a corner that can play lockdown on anybody. So it's it's a good defense. I I see them as – I see the 49ers, and I've said this this to you however, what, four weeks ago. That's the Super Bowl team, in my opinion. So I was thinking about the way to beat them because if Washington makes the postseason, first of all, you're going to get a preview on Christmas Eve uh, if that ends up being a playoff matchup. You know, Minnesota would be the much better playoff matchup for whoever the six or seven uh, wildcard teams in the NFC are. Um, San Francisco's got a chance now to to end up being the two seed and host that, that, you know, the first two rounds. But New Orleans a couple of weeks ago, who I think is actually an excellent defensive team too, New Orleans really had the opportunity because they stopped the run. For the most part, they stopped the run. And Washington has the ability to stop the run, especially without a mobile quarterback. Um, And so if you can stop the run, you know, and, and then force like if it's Purdy, to beat you from the pocket, maybe defensively you can do what New Orleans did, which basically they held them to 13 points in the game. You know, and and so 
Uh, the 49ers had a couple of opportunities deep in New Orleans territory and didn't score on a couple of fourth downs. So they could have scored more. But New Orleans got field position after stopping the 49ers and got into range in sc- into scoring range as well and just couldn't score. They missed a field goal and they had a couple of fourth and goal you know opportunities. But to me, the only way to beat the 49ers if you're a team like Washington without the great quarterback is you've got to be able to shut their offense down by stopping the run. And if you can do that and you can get into one of these games that you don't see a lot in the NFL, but literally like a 13-10 to 10 kind of a game, and again, we're going to see a preview of it. The 49ers, are, you know, they clinched the division last night, but it's not like, you know, they got three games left. They're going to, and they've got a big, a quasi bye week heading into the Washington game next week. So you're going to get their best effort because they're going for the two seed right now and home field for the first two games in the NFC playoffs. They'd rather host Minnesota or host whoever plays Minnesota than travel in the second round. Um, so you're going to get their best. And I, I think the the only chance you have if you're a team like Washington who can't score is you've just got to you've got to win like what, what what New Orleans was trying to do win like a thirteen to ten game, and you got to kick some field no, goals and you, you. got to stop the run and you got to shorten the game somehow because I don't think you can really run against them. Like it, it's going to be it, it. It doesn't matter Heineke Wentz. It really doesn't matter. I mean, it'll be the first really legit, awesome defensive team that they have faced um, this year, because the you know the Bears, Packers, Colts, Vikings, Eagles they ran on Texans, Falcons, Giants. You're gonna. This is gonna be one of those games that you're just gonna have to punt a lot and be okay with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I mean, the team that beat them and beat them soundly earlier was. With Kansas City and San Francisco even jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead. It, you, you have to score on them. You can't. I don't. Are you going to beat them fourteen thirteen? I don't know. If and if you are, then you truly have to stop the run. You have to stop the but run. The other thing is, you have to stop the big play. And so, like when I look at teams that can beat them, like I look at Dallas as a team that can beat them, and I know that Dallas is not the premier run stopping defense in the league. But if you can stop the run enough to get them into third down situations, they can rest the passer right. and then get them off the field. So can Philly. And I think Dallas is a, is a secondary that can stop the big play. But true, yeah, very true. So I think Dallas is a better run defense than Philly, watching those teams more than other teams. Um, Philly can be, depends on how they want to do it. And, and they might be against San Francisco. But I, I don't and – Philly, and, and Philly's a team that can score on them. I think Dallas could potentially score on them, but Philly is a team that truly could score on them. Like to me, it's Philly and Dallas that can beat the Forty ers Other than that, I just don't see it. But yeah, like Hurts can move move around and make some plays, and he can find guys downfield. And they have speed downfield. The, the Eagles do. They have playmakers and they have speed downfield. And if they're healthy, they'll be a problem for San Francisco because they they could put up twenty eight or thirty. Not saying it'll happen, but they can. They, I think they have the ability. And I think I don't think Washington can beat San Francisco. I, not in a playoff game. It may, maybe in week sixteen or next, what do they play? Next, yeah, week they play next week. Next week. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that. I wouldn't rule it out. But in a, in a true playoff game, I don't. I don't know yeah. if they can get San Francisco. I don't know if they have the juice. 
I don't. I think Minnesota would be a mismatch for the 49ers. I don't care if that game's in Minnesota or San Francisco. I, I first of all, Minnesota would not be able to stop them from scoring 30. That's number one. And then you've got to put Kirk into total dropback mode, and he's fine. And they've got the weapons. Um, uh, but I don't think they can run the football, which means he's going to have to match the 49ers. And with Bosa and, uh, you know. And, and Matthew Ward, it's not like no, no one's covered that. I mean, no one's covered Jefferson. Jeff. But that dude Ward will, be, will present a problem. I mean, he won't be just running free. Yeah. Although, I don't, I'm, yeah, I mean, I just don't see it anywhere else in the in the NFC. Yeah, although I'll tell you, Jefferson's basically gotten you know open against everybody, including everybody. the guy that's no, going to be, you know, including the rookie of the year, you know, in in Sauce Gardner. Um, anyway, uh, I uh, I, ju- I just I'm, I'm I'm impressed. It was not it was not a good night for for your boy. Um, I had Seattle for the limit. And uh, so I'm not off to a good start, but I do have more smell test picks coming up. Now, as far as the playoff race goes, last night was another great night um, for Washington and the other wildcard contenders because Seattle now is flaming out in a big way. I mean, they've lost, um, they've lost four of their last five. They're 7-7, seven and seven, and they got to go to Arrowhead on Christmas Eve to face the Chiefs. So you can almost discount right now or dismiss Seattle as a legitimate playoff contender anymore. And now really what it is, it's Washington, the Giants, Detroit. And I mentioned this on Monday, Cooley. We haven't talked, but don't look now. The Packers, if they can make a run over their final four games to finish 9-8, and eight, they're going to have a chance. Now, it's not easy because they, after the Rams on Monday night, which you would expect they, they, they should win, they have to go to Miami on Christmas Day. And that would be the game because after that they finish at Lambeau against the Vikings and the Lions. Um, and the Lions game would be crucial. Um, so it's pot- There's no way the Packers pull off four straight. I don't think so either, but they've they've been much better offensively in their last few games. Christian Watson has kind of emerged here. He's, he's changed that for sure. Yeah, and so uh, it's just funny how we've completely discounted a, a great quarterback or one of the great quarterbacks because I think Hurts is playing at a high level. I think Kirk is uh, playing at a really high level. Um, but uh, if, if Rodgers got in to the postseason, he'd be the best quarterback in the field. Um, but anyway, Detroit still is that team. But here's the thing. Washington and, and the Giants assured themselves of after you know this weekend is over still being in the top seven. The winner will be six. The loser will be seven. Um, Seattle, uh, you know, and, and the loser now of Sunday night's game, it's not that, you know, the, the chances don't take a hit because they do. Um, but they, you know, nine, seven, and one, even if you lose the tiebreaker to the team that beats you on Sunday night, still has a decent chance of capturing that seven seed. The issue is, can you win two of your final three if you lose to the Giants to get to nine, seven, and one? Can you beat the 49ers? I don't think so. So then you'd have to beat the Browns and the Cowboys at home to get to nine, seven, and one if you lose to the Giants. In the Giants' case, if they lose to Washington, they have Minnesota and Indy and the Eagles. And the Eagles Giants game and the Cowboys Redskins game at the end of the year. You know, we don't know if those games are going to mean anything to Dallas or Philly yet. We won't know until really um, next week when Dallas and Philadelphia play. 
So anyway, uh, a good result for Washington. All right, should we talk uh, and preview um, and predict the game Sunday night? You ready to do that? Yeah, I, I feel like we've just been doing that. Not really. We haven't talked specifically about the giant. No, Washington I mean ball. just uh, no. I'm I'm just saying because we uh, we just did this game. Yes, that's right. It's it's, it's very strange to play a team back to back. It is, um, but only Washington's playing the team back to back. The Giants are not. Uh, what's, what, what's Washington? Washington's like a four and a half point favorite right now. Four and a half point favorite. Correct. All right, let's get to it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This segment where we're going to preview uh, the biggest game Washington's had in December in a long, long time is brought to you by Window Nation. Uh, They're doing the impossible right now. They are giving you 0% interest for five full years on new windows, and you are going to pay half price on those windows because you get two free with every two you buy. If your windows are 10 years of age or older, if they're drafty, if they're cracked, if they're hard to open or lock when you close them, you need new windows, call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name uh, and they will give you a free estimate so there's nothing to risk. I promise you this is the company you want to work with. They make their windows here locally. They're terrific with the customer. Uh, the product quality is super high. They've got a 96% uh, retention rate. They've got a 96% success rate on their installs. Go to windownation.com. Use my name, 866-90-NATION. Pay zero interest for five years. And get two free windows with every two you buy, no limit. Before we get to previewing the game, um, I do want to, to ask you what you think the most important game you ever played in was. Like the biggest feel, the biggest game, highest stakes game you played in. I, I think it's Dallas in 05. When we we had that run of 
Did we play Dallas or New York? The we played Philly to end that season. Yeah, was it Dallas or New York? And both of those games felt huge. Um, they were both home games, but to get into the playoffs that year, both of those games felt massive. The, the, the stadium was electric. The crowd was electric. We were playing great ball. Those were big games. I I know the playoff games were big games too, but it, almost after we made that run in '05, it did. It felt like the playoff games were not. The, the pressure wasn't the same as it was in 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 the run to it. Now maybe it is Seattle in the playoffs. And if I had been around longer in the league, if it wasn't my second year, that game probably would have felt bigger. You, you, this which Seattle playoff game in '05? The first the the yeah. '05 okay. Seattle playoff yeah, game. Yeah. So the game that you referenced, I've talked about a couple of times over the last few days. I think in terms of regular season crowds, that game against the Cowboys in 2005, when you guys were um, a 7-6 and six team, they were an 8-5 and five team. This is Joe Gibbs. This is Bill Parcells. Washington's making a run. You guys have won two in a row to get back into the playoff race. The earlier game was the Monday Night Miracle in Week 2. Um, and I think of all of the days that I've been in that stadium, and I think I've been at pretty much every big game, you know, uh, going back to that season in 2005, even the 99 season, um, the end of the 2012 season, the game against the Cowboys. But I think that crowd was the most raucous and the closest thing to RFK. It wasn't RFK, but I remember being there, you know, and saying, this feels like the old days. And you guys blew them out. And you probably had the game of your career. You had three touchdown catches in the game. Yeah. You know, seven, uh, six catches, 71 yards, three touchdowns, and a 35-7 to route. And then the next week felt super big as well. Like you mentioned, it was Christmas Eve. It was the Giants. Um, the Giants were, were not yeah, – they were 10-4. and four. You guys were 8-6. and six. You, needed to, you needed to win out to make the postseason as a wild card team. And in that game, Cooley – uh, Mark Brunel got hurt, and Patrick Ramsey came into the game and played pretty well. And you guys won that game 35-20. to 20. Um, You had a good game in that game, too. You caught a touchdown in that game as well. Uh, that was on Christmas Eve, and that was a big game. That felt really big, but I, I think like it was big, but the week before against the Cowboys, in part because it was the Cowboys, really felt big. No doubt. And they were good. They were good that year too. Yeah, we, we barely beat them. This what was it? The second week of the season on the Santana Moss play. The two Santana Moss plays, yeah, yeah, and and they were a good team, and we we waxed them. That was a fun game. Yeah, that was. But yeah, I, those those two games were those two games were. I think were the two big games. Do you know what the largest yeah, FedEx Field crowd ever was? I looked this up the other day um, because four thousand. No, it was. Um, hold on for one second. Let me just get the number up again. Um, at the end of the two thousand seven season, the year that Sean um, passed away, when you guys made the four game run at the end of the season with Todd Collins, the game against the Cowboys to clinch a playoff spot when they had nothing to play for, by the way, 
Um, that's the largest FedEx field NFL crowd. The largest crowd ever was for Virginia Tech USC in the season opener in 2004. That, and people, people who were at that game say that's the loudest the stadium's ever been. But 90,910 for that game um, at the end of that year, you guys clubbed the Cowboys. Uh, but they weren't playing. I mean, I don't even think Tony Romo played. Or if he did, he didn't play much. You guys won the game, um, went to the playoffs, and played Seattle the following week in a wild card game and lost. Uh, but that's the largest crowd ever. Yeah, I think Romo got hurt in that game. Didn't Brad Johnson come play? Brad Johnson did play. You're right. That's who the backup was for Dallas. It's exactly who it was. You said you got hurt? No, I think Tony Romo got hurt in the first half of that game. Oh, I think they just benched him because they didn't want him or to get hurt. they just benched him? Yeah, because they, they, the, they had the number one seed that year locked up. It was the next week that they lost to the Giants at home when Romo threw an interception at the end of the game into the end zone and choked away the game for the Cowboys. Right. Um, and then you guys remember the next week at Seattle, you took the lead in the fourth quarter and had a chance to win that game. Um, I know, with Todd Collins. Yeah, with, with Todd Collins, and then there were two pick sixes in the fourth quarter, and then the game ended up getting out of hand. Um, so you think that it's that Dallas game. What about the 2012 season-ending game against the Cowboys? That game felt huge. Uh, that, that was a hard one from – I mean, that's selfishly, it's hard for me to say that was I know. The, the biggest game because I wasn't playing. Right. This, I remember the playoff, the lead up to that Seattle playoff game, though. That that last Seattle game at home felt massive. The playoff. I thought we were really. I thought we had a chance. Yeah, the playoff game. I, I thought that team had a chance with I, with Robert. I, I really did. I did too. I did too. Um, and you were up fourteen nothing in that game. You didn't play in that game, did you? Well, very little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I played, I played very little. I played in that game. Yeah, and then that was it. All right. Um, Washington beats the Giants. If one, you go first. I'll go. You know, I'll follow, and we'll go one at a time. You go first. So this is amazing. So I'm thinking back to this last game as I was thinking about this one, and and then I'm thinking back to Washington season. In the last game, I, I kept mentioning to you, I thought they should have went more tempo. And it, it's crazy. I just looked this stat up, and I, I think this is how Washington wins. Washington runs like 80 plays. You, you have 80 offensive plays. You know, or you out, you have 30 more plays than the Giants, or 20 more plays than the Giants. But you say that Washington right now is fourth in the NFL in total plays run on offense. I know. Fourth. Yeah. They, that's unbelievable. They're 21st in yards per game. How are you fourth in plays run, 21st in yards per game? And it's not like they're third down. Conversion is, is like they're like twenty third or twenty fourth in third down conversion. Cooley, they're number one in the league in time of possession. Number one in the league, and the, the, I told you in the last game they had an eight minute drive and never crossed half field across midfield. They had an eight minute thirty eight yard drive. That's impossible to do. And so it's, it's unbelievable, so how, and, and it's not like, like in that drive. Like normally, they're playing fairly, fairly quickly. Like that, that they got to wear New York down, and that's how Washington's going to win a lot of these games. And tempo's a great way to do that 
if you can continue to get these three, two, three, four-yard runs on a consistent basis, which they've been able to do. It's either Gibson or Robinson, but both of those backs have done a great job of finding positive yardage and getting a, a yard or two yards after contact and breaking a tackle. And, and, and Robinson, like I said, I don't think he's a home run hit guy. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I think Washington's got to have six big plays because I don't think it's realistic that they're going to get a bunch of big plays down the field. Right. But I think they have to – I think they have to have, you know, 20 plays more than the Giants. And in doing so, they have to find a way to wear that defense down. Like they have to keep New York's defense on the field, the time of possession, but they've got to wear them down. And so the one thing that is sort of tough when you say, like, I, I think back to playing and when you're running a lot of plays, but you're getting two and three and four yards of play, it doesn't really wear anybody down that much. They're quick plays. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So if you're not going quick, <laughs> right. those three-second inside that give plays, like that's not wearing their secondary down. Right. That's not making them rally and chase the ball. It's it's the the point of contact's got to tackle, and you, you you got a couple guys at the ball, but that doesn't wear anyone down unless you run uh, unless you have a nine, ten, eleven, twelve play drive with tempo. So again, I think they have to go fast offensively. And I think they have to have a large number of plays. Like, and I also believe Washington is the better team. And we've talked about this a ton. My philosophy on, on winning football games is if you think you're a better team, go faster, run more plays. So to, to me, that's the number one biggest key. How it plays out will also be an impact, but I think they're capable of, of first and ten, second and seven, third and three, First down, first, second, and seven, third and two, first down. Like to me, that's a, they're a capable team and they're able to do that. It's just if you don't wear New York's defense down, because I don't see them blowing them out, then it's harder to score in the fourth quarter when you're going to need it. This is what Taylor Heineke said because he was asked about playing more up tempo and the benefit of that, and you know, essentially, would he prefer that? And here's his quote the other day: "Quote." There are certain things that we see on film that we think we can get to. That hurry-up two-minute, it doesn't work all the time. Two-minute drill, they're more soft. They're trying to not let up a touchdown and maybe let up a field goal. Now, there, you know, let me just add, he's specifically talking about, you know, end of half. You can move the ball a little bit easier, meaning the end of half. If you're trying to do it in the middle of the first quarter or the middle of the third quarter, they might throw an exotic blitz at you and you get sacked, and the next thing you know, it's second and 18, and that's not how our offense rolls. So there's definitely a fine line there, and we're trying to be smart about it, closed quote. Yeah, well, he's, he's 100% right. There, there, you can definitely stop a drive with a sack. You can definitely stop a drive with an exotic blitz. But there's also that you're not in two minutes. I'm not saying it's got to be like green light Chip Kelly offense or whatever it was. But you're snapping the ball with 15 seconds left on the play clock or 20 seconds left on the play clock. You're getting to the ball quickly. You're making them show their defense, and you're making it harder for them to substitute. And they're scripted out. It's not You're not just going to the ball and going, uh, right, 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 right. Okay, over here, Omaha, over here. Okay, now let's go hammer on this side, hammer on this side. Uh, 60 protection, 60. Go, 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 go. It's not that. But it, you can get plays called in. And you can half-huddle or you can call some of the stuff at the line of scrimmage, but it's just a quicker tempo. 
And that's what, that's what I think they need to have. Um, yeah, like the, what you're talking about doesn't limit the playbook. Yes, we're trying to not limit the playbook. We're just going fast. Right. And that, that puts a lot of pressure on Scott Turner, and it puts a lot of pressure on Heinz. The rest of the, the offense, it does not put a lot of pressure on. There's a lot of ways to communicate that. Um, if people are wondering, because I know I've talked about it a couple times, but I didn't go, I didn't talk about it in specifics, how you have an eight-minute drive without crossing midfield. Uh, I don't know that it happens. It, it's very rare. In that game, that was the kickoff that Gibson let hit as if he thought it might go out of bounds, and then he fielded it. So they started at their own five-yard line. Robinson for five yards, Robinson for 12 yards, yards, which was the run of the game for him. Then Robinson for five yards. Then Gibson for three yards, which set up third and two. And then Robinson just barely got the first down two yards. So it's at, they've run, at that point, they've run five plays and the ball's at the 32-yard line. Robinson for two yards, False start, Logan Thomas. Now it's second down and 13. Heineke passed to McLaurin. That was the pass that you loved, I think. The comeback, the hitch at 15 yards. First down at the 44-yard line. Gibson for four gets it to the 48-yard line. And then you had that illegal block penalty on Logan Thomas, which was a terrible call, that moved the ball back to the 38. Then Heineke got sacked and fumbled. That was the fumble that Vilma thought was an incomplete pass and then they had third and 21 and they threw a bubble to Samuel for 10 yards and it was fourth and 11. So it was 11 plays, eight minutes because the clock didn't stop once on any of the runs, obviously. There wasn't an incomplete pass and these were penalties in which they ran the clock because the clock was already running. That's how you get an eight-minute drive that travels 38 yards and never crosses midfield. And you end up with a time up, you end up with this, like Cooley mentioned, a significant play difference, 17 plays, 82 to 65, and a 41 to 11, a 41 minute, 11 second to 28 minute, 49 second. You had overtime in that game. You had 10 minutes of overtime. Um, time of possession advantage. Washington right now in average time of possession is um, leading the league, averaging 33 minutes and three seconds, um, nearly a minute more than Baltimore, um, which is pretty damn impressive. And over their last three games, they're averaging almost 35 minutes time of possession. San Francisco actually leads the league over the last three games. Um, So anyway, uh, my first... And it's unbelievable, sorry, it's unbelievable that their third down conversion rate can be 35%. I know. And then they can... They they can lead the league like that in time. You think they're converting on everything? Exactly. They were three for fourteen on third down, and yet ran eighty two plays. It just doesn't add up. All right, for me, no. for me, um, I, I will start with with that because even though this was my number two, I'll start with. The third down conversions have to be better. I mean, I know they were three for 14. I know they ended up with a huge time of possession advantage like we just discussed. But if you think you can be that inept on third down and end up with a 17-play advantage week in and week out, no, it's not going to happen. That was an aberration. That was not the norm. And in the last game, they averaged third and 8.7 yards 
Uh, and that's too long. Third and nearly nine is too long for them. They had a third and 21, three third and 13s, four third and 10s, and a third and eight. Like Cooley said, like we've talked about for weeks now, this is a small margin for error. They've they got to hit singles and have third and makeables. It's too much for them to overcome. They've got to be productive on first and second down and have the third and makeables like they did against the Eagles. That was the best example. I mean, they averaged third and two in that game, and they were 12 of 21 on third down. So how do you do that? For them, it's just eliminating the negative plays. You know, you can't have penalties. You can't have a sack. You can't have a minus three-yard run where Logan Thomas blows a block. You know, for me, too, I want them to stick with the run, but I like some of the stuff they did against Indy early in that game where they didn't score a lot of points, I understand. Um, and they did some of it against Minnesota, where they ran some of the run extension throws to Gibson. They got him out in space a little bit more. Um, and, and Robinson on some of those pitches going outside. you got to get more productive first and second down plays. And then really, Cooley, third down, you don't have to be 50% or better. That would be a game-changing number. But if you're 6 of 14 rather than 3 of 14, if you're 5 of 11, if you're in that 40 to 45% range, that's going to keep you on the field. It's going to put you in more scoring position opportunities unless you have terrible starting field position, and you're going to have a much better chance to win the game. So third down conversions on offense I think is a major key to the game, and the only way you get that is to get better first and second down production. What do you got next? Okay, two, I have two things on the, for the defense. One, you cover Darius Slayton, and he's not one of the elite receivers in the NFL, but when they don't have Kenny Galladay playing, is Galladay going to play this week? Well, no. They, no they, I mean, they basically haven't used him. I had somebody on from New York today, and I said, this guy Richie James might be out. Am I, like, who's going to play receiver for you? Is Galladay? And he said, it's not even that he's in the doghouse. It's just that he stinks. They just don't think he's any good. And so... Uh, how do they not think he's any good? He was a, a top 10 receiver I, in Detroit three years ago. I don't, I don't understand. A that. top 20. But Brian Dable got rid of Kadarius Tony. He got rid of Kadarius Tony. He's not playing Galladay. And that number 18, if Richie James, number 80, doesn't go because he missed practice Wednesday and Thursday, it's going to be Slayton and number 18. I don't know. They have that guy Johnson who played a little bit. Um, I think they. So you got to cover Slayton and then, and then also try to cover number eight. Just look out for number 18. He's yeah. out there, too. <laughs> yeah, he's out there, too. I mean, it should be easy. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. It's like, <laughs> here, Saquon Barkley is not – if Saquon Barkley has 230 yards and beats them, my God. I mean, that's just not what I see happening to this either. Washington defense. But cover Darius Slayton and don't let Daniel Jones rush for 70 yards like he did in the last game. He, he kept enough alive in that game with his legs to get him to 20 points. I mean, Barkley's going to have a hundred yards rushing or eighty yards rushing. Like they're going to give him the ball. He's going to get touches out of the backfield as a receiver. But they don't have anything else. If Daniel Jones doesn't is not capable of running, if you keep him in the pocket, he will turn the ball over. You will put pressure on him. It will be a massive problem. Keep him in the pocket, cover Slayton, and how are they scoring? 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm uh, Isaiah Hodgins is number 18, by the way. He's not yeah. going to be the guy. Like, he might catch one for eight and break a tackle and get, get, a, get an 11-yard gain here or there <laughs> once or twice in this, in this game coming up. But th- he is not going to change the game against you. you none, s- none of their weapons change the game. They have Daniel Jones and Slayton. You know you're getting a Barkley. Okay, let's just make sure Barkley doesn't get 200-yard dressing. The rest of it, could we limit their offense to, I don't know, you know, a maximum between Slayton and Jones – Collectively, Slayton's receiving, Jones rushing. Could we limit that to under 100 yards? I got to think that's feasible. You said Barkley's going to get, you know, a lot of touches. Barkley had a 21-yard draw at the end of the first half versus, I don't know, six DBs in the game. You take that run out of there, he was less than three yards per carry against Washington. And he's been... Yeah, you're right. He had 18 for 63. Yeah, oh, and then that was with the with the twenty yard draw. Right, so seventeen for, uh, for forty two is less than three yards per carry. Yeah, so it's. I mean, I don't see how the Giants can score if, and this that leads me to my number two. This the the, the total. I know this is a total cliche key to a game in a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday discussion of the NFL. But the turnover margin on Sunday is critical. Washington's lost the turnover battle five times this year. They're one and four in those games. They've won the turnover battle in four games this year. They're four and zero. Oh. They've been even in the turnover battle, including against the Giants. They are two one and one in those games. Look, the the I had um, London Fletcher on the show the other day, and London, I said, "What's the number one reason for the turnaround?" And he said, "Takeaways." And they've had they had one takeaway, one in the first five weeks of the season. They have had fourteen since. They were minus six the first five weeks of the season. They are now plus six. It's not like it's an overwhelming turnover margin or an overwhelming number of takeaways. But against the Giants in a game that was we just saw was twenty to twenty, the team that has plus one or better is gonna win the game. I mean, I would be shocked if the team that lost the turnover battle Sunday won the game. I would put the chance of that happening at like 1 out of 10. You cannot against that team, which we just described as a team that's going to really find it hard to score, especially if they're without you know James, etc., and they don't have anybody to throw the football to, and then you're going to ask Daniel Jones to do everything – the only way that you lose this game is if you lose the game. This will be a game that you know many any many NFL games are. It's like the teams. It's not to be about. It's not going to be about winning the game. It's about it's about not losing the game. Don't turn the ball over. Don't beat yourself. And you should win this game. I think. I, I'm totally with you. It, the funny thing about the turnover, the turnover ratio is. Like some of these games that they they're plus six over the last whatever, like they could have been plus zero. Like Heineke could have had two balls that could have been easily picked in the I know. Past game. They've had weird little things come up where they've gotten fortunate turnovers. Right. Like what, what was it? The Eagles game where it's. What, what, the fumble on the running back that's clearly a personal foul. Yeah, well, like, they, it's clear to no, find no, the face they, mask. They, the, and then the, they, the face mask on Goddard was a fumble. And then, 
and then you know, and then you know, Heineke baited Brandon Graham. But no, the 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 most the 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 the, the ball that he threw for the fair catch. Um, for the Minnesota defensive back before he got tackled by the referee. I mean, that's that's an interception. Right. I mean, no, they've had he's had a ton of they've they've had a ton of good fortune. Yes, they you have. You want to throw that into keys to the game? Is is some good fortune here? Well, because I, they they've had a lot. They, 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 this turnover ratio could be much worse than it is over the last six games. He leads the league in turnover worthy plays, and it's not even close. Okay, and I know that really makes some people super upset. But the bottom line is he misses easy stuff and he puts balls up for grabs two to three times a game. And if the giant and if he any fumbles and if he and so if they don't get lucky Sunday as they've been very fortunate, that's the way they lose the game. So yes, I think getting lucky again. The way they they lose the way they lose the game is they go out and they lose the game. They should win this game. To me, they're a better football team. Yeah, I hate saying with that team that they should win it, but they absolutely are the better team. They are they have better talent and they've got better players on the field Sunday night than the Giants do. They do. And Adoree Jackson's not going to be back, so that means Fabian Moreau's their best corner. Now, I like, you know, apparently Leonard Williams will be back, and I think Williams and Lawrence are really good, and Ojolari was outstanding in the last game, and Thibodeau was great, and so they are capable defensively of, of, of you know, causing some issues. You know, that's why I think... No, they're, they're really good. They're good up front. Yeah, but they're not good in the back end. Fabian Moreau's their best corner. Tempo. Jackson's play not tempo. playing. Play with tempo and make them, make them get on the ball and get their hand down and get going. I also, I also think it's going to be big. Just get to things. I also think it's going to be big that St. Juice more likely, likely than not, will be back. And they, um, you know, there were a couple of explosive. There was one explosive play, and there should have been two to Slayton. And I think St. Juice out there with Fuller. Uh, I think you know it's going to be really hard for Daniel Jones to find anybody open. It's like. If Barkley can't run on him, and nobody runs on this team unless the quarterback's really involved in the run game, like Mariota was and like Jones was, I mean that's the way the Giants, you know, move the ball. It's got to be with total Barkley and Jones, and and Jones making lots of plays. I, you know, he's capable of it. Keep him in the pocket. Keep him in the pocket. Because they, they know they can't protect. That you know that they're going to continue to try to move them outside of the pocket, and then, I mean they did it. They do it every week, every they, week, and they're creative with it, and they do a good job with it. But keep them outside of the pocket. Yeah, or, or sorry, keep them from getting outside of the pocket, because that's where I mean that's and that's where he ends up taking off. And he is athletic. Like, he's a very good running quarterback. I agree. I agree. You know, uh, the, I had a guy on from New York on the radio show um, this week. No, on the podcast, Dan Duggan from The Athletic. And he said this is Daniel Jones's biggest game of his career because they're still not settled on whether or not he's going to be the guy in New York. Personally, I mean, the quarterbacking in the league has gone down this year uh, significantly. And, you know, there's some guys that, you know, Brady is in the twilight here and who knows what Rodgers is. I think Rodgers still has it. Russell Wilson, obviously. Um, I, I just, if I were the Giants, I would keep Daniel Jones and I would focus on giving him some receivers. He's had nothing around him ever. 
No, it's he's it's like the Packers around him right now. He's, he's got, what did you say? He's, he said it's like he's it's the Packers around him, right? Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has nobody. Like what if he they had tried Washington? To, they tried to give him Kenny Galladay. What if Washington? Like, what if he had Washington's group? If, I mean, Washington he, is. I honestly, this is crazy. Washington might be a legit Super Bowl contender if they swap quarterbacks with New York. I think, and I don't think Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in the league by any means. I don't think he's in the top five. But if you swap quarterbacks, they might be a Super Bowl team this year. Well, you said top five. Obviously, he's not in the top five. What do you think he is in the top? Do you think he's in the top half of the league? I think with playmakers, we might view him that way because he's such a dual threat guy. He's six foot five. He's an athlete. I mean, it, you can't. It's it's hard to say that he's not, that he's right now. He's not in the top ten. No, because it, you can't like like like. Okay, here's a great example. Swap him with Tua and give him Tariq Hill and Waddle and Gasecki. Right. And an offense that is, is a better offense. Yeah. Is, is, you know, who, who is he then? Like, he's not, he's not Mahomes by any means. And he's not Josh Allen at this point. It's, it's like he's JV Josh Allen almost the way he moves. I think Kurt's better. Yeah. I, I, I I think Dak's a great. I think it's debatable sometimes with Dak. See, you know, I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd take Herbert over him. Um, obviously, you take Rodgers over him, but the the rest of the way, like, is he better than Carr? Probably. Is he better than? Like, I take him over the Kyler Murray who just got hurt. I take him over a lot. Most quarterbacks here. Um. I think uh, I'm, I'm just trying to put a list together in my mind right now. Um, I mean, l- let's just focus on the NFC, okay? Just put the NFC for starters because it's where is he in QBR this year? Right, 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 right now, Hurts, Cousins. I mean, Geno Smith has played well this year. I, 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 he really has. I mean, I've been impressed with Smith. They just aren't very good on defense. Um, Hurts, Cousins, I still would take Rodgers. Okay, I don't, I don't care. Rodgers would still be at the top of the list here. Um, man, I, I don't know if I believe in Dak Prescott completely. Um, I'm not a big believer in Dak Prescott either. Here, uh, Daniel Jones is 14th in total QBR. Um, Jacoby Brissett is over him. I'd take him over Brissett. Geno Smith is, is fifth, amazingly. I, I think I'd take him over Geno Smith. Um, Justin Fields, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence would be three that are – he's probably right around ten, Kev. I'm trying to throw a list together real quickly here because I want I want to um... – Rodgers is 26th in total QBI, though. Okay, so – Here, let's make it really simple. Let, let, let's, let, let's, let... no worse than fi- He is no worse than 15. Okay, l- let's do this. Okay, Mahomes, okay, uh, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, okay, right now. I just gave you four. Herbert, five. Um, this is weird. Lamar? Well, I'm going to give you Aaron Rodgers six for sure because I don't care the, about performance or numbers this year. Cousins. Six. Rodgers for sure. Cousins for sure at seven. Seven. Um, would you still take Brady right now? Yes. Eight. 
Over uh, yes, eight. Okay. Um, Stafford's not been good this year, but would you take? You'd probably take Stafford nine. I, I think the issue starts to come in now. You're talking about guys like the Goffs, the Lawrences the Geno Smiths and the years they're having, what you think of Justin Fields and his future, P- Prescott, Tua. I mean, Prescott and Tua with the way they played, I mean, I don't know. Prescott worries me, man. I, if I'm a Dallas fan, I'm worried, and I'm worried about Tua too. Um, but they're better than a lot of the guys that we would mention down, you know, further down the, you know, like you're going to take, what about Derek Carr? Uh, but but there there are just some guys right now like Mike White who st- are starting. You know we don't know anything about Watson, um, Mac Jones. I mean, Pickett, Ryan's had a terrible year. You know Wilson's been horrible. Um, oh, uh, we forgot Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's obviously. I, I, mean, I said Lamar, but okay. I, I, I think I think that there's a weird window of guys between about thirteen and twenty that you could put anywhere. Yeah, and, and and it's not fair to Daniel Jones in some ways to, to give him a group of weapons that some of these other guys have. Like you could put him in Miami, I'd love to see what would happen. It's actually He's right, better than people think he is. Is it, all I'm saying. I, I I agree with you. It's actually a, a, a discussion that starts at like ten. Like after ten, it's like you can mix uh, you can mix ten guys up and put them in any order you want. I mean, because really, the the, uh, the nine or ten that right now, you know, it's Mahomes, it's Hurts, it's Burrow, it's Allen, it's Herbert, it's Rodgers, definitely. For me, it is anyway. I'd still put Brady into that conversation. What did I just give you? I just gave you eight, right? Did I give you eight? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cousins. Co- sorry, people, but Kirk is a t- – right now, this year, with the way some of the other quarterbacks have played, top ten quarterback in the league. Uh, in terms of what you would want right now. Then you get into this, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, how you feel about him, Derek Carr. You know, maybe Carr is is in, this year. Like, I've never had Carr super high, but this year I'd probably have him butting up against the top ten. You know, how you feel about Tua, how you feel about Dak. It's like, it's like you're right, it's like ten, it's like twelve guys and then you can mix up the Daniel Joneses and the Geno Smiths and, you know. And the um, Ryan Tannehills. The Tan- well, yeah. yeah, the Justin Fields, how you feel about him, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff. Yeah, you know. Jared, um, I mean, Jared Goff's actually had a really good year this year. It's going to be interesting to see what Deshaun Watson does in his first home game uh, tomorrow, Saturday, against the Ravens. I, yeah, like it's, uh, I, I just expect so very little from Deshaun Watson this year. I agree. I agree. You know, yeah, not, you know their favorite? I'm not saying anything negative about him. I'm just saying it's not easy to just pop in at week 12. Do you know their favorite? After not playing for a year and a half. Yeah, I did see their favorite. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Huntley's starting. I mean, no Lamar back. Um, all right, What? any other keys? I have one more that I threw out before the last game that I'm going to throw out again before this game, but do you have any more? Well, I think a big problem in the last game was like dumb penalties and poor special teams play. Like that's where they beat themselves, in my opinion, with some dumb penalties. And, and one or two of them I didn't think should have been called, and one or two of them I shot I thought should have been called on the other side. Like when Fabian Moreau I thought was a clear pass interference on Terry McLaurin, and Terry did nothing to to define. Hey, look, it's interference. Like, I think the penalties could 
not really have meant, went, went much worse for Washington. Right. And then, and then the, the, the special teams mistakes can't happen. And a couple of those are penalties. Uh, so that that would be, again, kind of my last thing is like in, in terms of you're not beating yourself. Yeah, the Butler penalty on the on that uh, uh, end of regulation opportunity was the difference between the 36-yard line and the 12-yard line where they started. You know, field position was horrible for them in the second half. That's a really good point about, um, you know, Gibson can't make that kind of mistake. You can't have Butler, you know, making that mistake on special teams coverage, which cost them 24 yards of field position. They could have won the game at the end of regulation. I, there's one. Right. There, there's one thing that you're just reminding me of. You haven't mentioned anything about pass protection. That was such an issue in your film breakdown of them mm-hmm. going, you know, max protect as much as they did, and it still didn't work out very well. So they they, they have to protect because they're going to have to throw the ball on third, even if they're ahead of the chains, third and four, third and three. They're still going to probably have to throw the ball. Yeah, and, may, and maybe Heineke's got to scramble a little bit. But uh, that is, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did, I did omit completely the protection, which was to me the biggest problem with their offense was, and, and it was that they didn't have what I thought was a great plan to protect against New York. Like keeping seven in a lot of the time. I don't. I mean, I guess they were looking at it and saying, "Look, our three guys, like Terry and Curtis Samuel and Dotson, are are should be good enough to win down the field." Is that what they believed? Like our three guys are going to win? Yeah, they didn't. So there's got to be a better plan for that. And and, and Heineke's got to be able to be decisive. They're not going to switch and change protections at the line of scrimmage, which, by the way, is also why you could go tempo since you're not making checks at the line. But that protection would be huge for them. Scott Turner. that fumble's going to hurt you. Yeah. Scott Turner yesterday in the day of coordinators was asked about Heineke not running as much this year as he did last year. I mean, Heineke's only got 67 yards rushing in seven starts. Um, there were t- there were so the, the Turner answers. I'm just going to read them. I think he did a lot of that obviously last year. So I think there's been some opportunities to scramble that he had there where he could, and we encourage him to do that. I don't want him to take a bunch of unnecessary hits. But people have kind of identified that with him, too, where he's getting a little bit of extra attention. We've seen a lot of zone coverage where there's a lot of eyes on the quarterback. But there have been some opportunities, and I think he can get out and scramble and maybe just steal a first down a game because that helps. It helps a lot. And he said, you want to make it through the season health-wise. You know, and he talked about the Tampa playoff game when he was playing for his football life. Um, but he said he knows how important he is to us and our team. He's got to be able to take those opportunities when they're there, but also he's got to protect himself. And I think he's been a little cautious as far as that goes. He's not wanting to take those big hits. Here's what I would say to that. I do think I've seen more spying on, on, on Heineke. But I think we've already pointed out a few times when you've done film He's had opportunities to be decisive and go, you know, and, and make plays with his legs. That's his greatest strength. It's, it's his legs. It's his vision as a, as, a, as, a, as a runner. It's his feel in the pocket. You got four games here. You got a chance to be a playoff team and actually have a chance maybe to win a playoff game. I want to see him not hesitate scrambling wise. I don't want to see him take a big hit. I don't want to see him lower his shoulder. 
Go ahead and go into a slide. Run out of bounds. But get out of the pocket and don't take sacks where you're potentially fumbling or you're potentially putting a ball you know, up for grabs. I want to see him be more aggressive as a runner, as a scrambler. I don't care about – I mean, I prefer more read option in the offense when you can have it. I prefer more boot you know, and in, in quarterback keeps when you have it. By the way, I don't think we've seen a quarterback draw, and maybe that's because it's zone coverage and there's a spy on him. I don't know. But I want to see him as a scrambler do what he did last year at times. I think it's part of what will make them a better offense. And I don't know if he's trying to protect himself. Look, if he gets injured at this point, let me assure everybody out there, they know this already because I think Carson Wentz would be starting if Heineke hadn't completed that fourth and four. Wentz is back. It's not like there's going to be a massive drop-off if he gets hurt. I don't want him to get hurt. I think he's as good an option as any, and I would not move away from him. But I don't need him to protect himself other than normally in the open field get down, but I want to see him scramble. Don't you? Well, yeah, I do, but you're just you're making a clear and obvious point that he wants to protect himself because it's not Josh Johnson backing him up. It's it's Carson Wentz and one injury or one wrong turn, and he, you said it perfectly. It's not like there's that big of a drop-off. They'll just go to Wentz. So maybe he is really trying to protect himself in that way, knowing, look, if I get banged up a little bit and and, and I'm out, I'll lose the job. Yeah, but he's not done anything to win the job other than the results on the scoreboard, which I know are important. Well, I get that I'm with you. So that, like, that result, the, the results on the scoreboard and the fact that he's still in there is why he doesn't want to do anything to lose. Yeah, but Cooley, he's he's an unrestricted free agent. There's a big opportunity for him. Now, I would not recommend going beyond what you you know have, what you're capable of. Like I think the formula and the offensive game plan is perfect for him. And when they're ahead of the sticks, and even sometimes when they're not, you see, I, I talked about this this morning. Here's the here's why evaluating him is so hard. Because we say that you got to stay ahead of the sticks. You can't get behind. And yet, there are two games this year when they were behind in the fourth quarter. They were down two scores at Indy, and they had to throw the football. And they threw the football, and they completed two fourth down throws, and they kicked a field goal, and they won a game on a 50 50 throw to McLaurin. And he brought him back. And then against the Giants, they're down seven with three and change left. And he makes some really good throws, and he makes a fourth and four magical play. We've seen that now five times during the, the, the last two years, fourth down plays that have been you know magical plays. And then he throws a dime to Curtis Samuel. He gets away with one. On that drive, that number 44 had it all sized up when he threw to, you know, Dotson or whatever it was deep, and he shouldn't have made that throw. But, like, what makes it so hard is that with the game on the line, several times he's delivered with his best football. I I don't – and yet maybe if he were better for the first three and a half quarters, they wouldn't have needed it. (laughs) You're asking him to play with the game on the line the entire game, which is fair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it is it is hard to, to evaluate him in some ways. Just just because going back to the golf reference, like I know he can shoot an eighty-seven, and he but he's still going to par seventeen and eighteen to find a way to win. To find a way to win big money, <laughs> like, I know it's true. 
He's like, he, he, yeah, he, he's not going to play the best round, but he's going to win the skins game. Yeah, I mean, he's going to he's going to need to make par net birdie cuz he's getting strokes. There's no doubt that Heineke's getting strokes as a quarterback, maybe not as a golfer. Yeah. He's- and he's just got to make par net birdie on 18 to win the match and, you know, he hits it 240 and then the next shot comes up, you know, 20 yards short of the green, but he he chips it up there and he he drains an 18 footer. For Parnet Purdy, winner. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like he does make plays when it matters. But all right, here's my other thing. I, I think the difference. I think the difference is put Taylor Heineke in in uh, in Miami with that group, and I don't think it's. I don't think you're going to see so much difference. Put Josh or Daniel Jones there, and like Daniel Jones is going to be a better player. Yeah, Heineke is. Pretty consistent in who he is, in my opinion. All right, here's my last key. I mentioned this before the last Giant game. I think both of these teams end up kicking a lot of long field goals because they're not finishers, and you know they can get a few first downs, and they can get the, to the other team's 35, but it, they don't get much further a lot of the time. And Gano and Joey Sly both have big legs. Well, in the last game... Joe, you know, Joey Sly missed a 52-yarder. The sack knocked him back. And Gano missed a 58-yarder at the end of the game. I think we're going to see a game Sunday night, cold weather, where there's going to be a couple of those 50-plus-yard field goal attempts. And the guy that makes the kick versus the guy that doesn't, it may be the difference in the game. It might be, yeah. And it would have been in the last game. If either one of them made a kick, it would have been the difference in the game. And they both missed him. Um... All right, you got anything else before I ask you for your prediction on the game? I got nothing for you. All right, what do you what do you think? What do you think happens? 24-10 Washington. Oh my god, you know what my prediction is cuz I've already Mm-mm. given it on radio. 23 to 10 Washington. I I know that everything says this should be a field goal game. Daniel Jones and his four starts against Rivera's teams. A three-point win, a one-point win, a one-point loss, and a tie. Everything says that these teams are pretty dead even, but I think Washington's just got better players. And as long as they don't shit themselves Sunday night, which, by the way, could happen, uh, I don't think the Giants are going to score against this Washington defense Without look, they only had 13 points without the turnover at the beginning of the third quarter. They would have, you know, they would have landed on 13. I got 23 to 10, Washington. And by the way, um, I'm going to get to my smell test pick, but picks in the next segment. But with Cooley here, I'll just give one out early. I like Washington laying the four and a half. Everybody thinks this is going to be a field goal game, so the action. And the money is on uh, New York plus the four and a half. So I'm, I'm going to lay the four and a half and take Washington. And then, you know, at that point, if they can get through Sunday night, it's one more win and they're in the playoffs, which really would be, you know, and they're playing well and, and in some ways, certainly on defense. All right, we almost had the identical score. Let's see what happens. I'll talk to you. You want to do Monday and review the game with me? Can't do Monday. I'm flying to Florida to see my in-laws for Christmas. Oh, that's right. You're so gonna I be will, a... But I will be able to do Wednesday with you. All Sorry. right, perfect. Um, I'll talk to you Wednesday, but I'll talk to you before then, of course. All right, buddy. All right. Um, thanks. All see right, you. have a good trip. I'll talk to you this weekend.
The smell test is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. They'll double your first deposit all the way up to 1000 Uh Free money, guys. Take it. Uh, when you join and you sign up, you have to use my promo code KevinDC to get that bonus, to get that doubling of your first deposit. If something's already written in the promo code section, erase it and write Kevin DC. Uh, I'm looking at my bookie right now. World Cup final odds, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, it looks like Argentina is just a slight, slight favorite. Um, it's plus 177 for Argentina, plus 179 for France, plus 202 on a draw. Okay, that is a draw through overtimes uh, before penalty uh, kicks. By the way, the over-under for the game, two and a half goals. Seems like a high over-under. Um, Croatia is a pretty solid favorite over Morocco in the runner-up in the third-place game. I don't know when that game is. Maybe that game's tomorrow. I think that game's tomorrow, and then the final is on Sunday. Uh, after the 49ers won, by the way, I was wondering if the look-ahead line, which you can actually wager on at my bookie, would be any different. It's not. San Francisco still is just a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington on Christmas Eve. Meantime, Washington a four-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants Sunday night. The total is 40-and-a-half. MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, Kevin DC. Uh, bowl season gets underway today. Uh, there are actually two bowl games today, one that's about to start. Um, then you have lots of bowl games tomorrow. I think it's really hard, the bowls, because of the opt-outs, because of the coaching changes, but there is one game, uh, and I'll start with this in the smell test, which is off to an 0-1 start after I had Seattle last night, and I know that I got a little uh, overconfident, a little chesty on the show yesterday. Some of you uh, suggested that I should have stuck with my analysis of the game rather than my smell test theory. No, I'll never do that. Uh, it was a good system play. It didn't win, um, but I have won 10 of the last 12 weeks, including last week uh, at 3-2. and two. Um the first bowl game of the weekend is the Fenway Bowl. This is the bowl at Fenway Park in Boston tomorrow. Cincinnati's playing Louisville. Cincinnati's coach, Luke Fickle, is headed to Wisconsin. Scott Satterfield, the Louisville coach, is headed to Cincinnati. Um, this is a game that uh, includes um, a, a big-time opt-out uh, for, uh, for, since, uh, for Louisville, all right, because quarterback Malik Cunningham is opting out. But his backup, Brock Doman, has played. He's got a, you know some time to prepare here for the game. The public loves Cincinnati. I thought Louisville played well at the end of the year, including the game with, with Doman. I'll take Louisville and lay the point and a half. I feel like the wrong team's favored, and they're begging you to bet Cincinnati. Let's go to the NFL, and we'll start tomorrow with the Indianapolis Colts plus four in the first game of the day against Minnesota. You know, I gave out the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. That lost against Minnesota. I gave out the Jets the following week against Minnesota. That lost. I liked Detroit last week. It didn't totally fit um, the smell test. There was some late sharp action on Minnesota, and the action was more split than you would have thought. Um, but I did like Detroit. Didn't give them out. I would have won. Uh, I'm giving out Indianapolis plus the four uh, at Minnesota tomorrow. The Vikings are really, 
I think a fraudulent 10 and 3 because of that defense. I mean, every quarterback, with the exception of Heineke, has gone for 300 plus against that Minnesota defense, which is right now ranked 32nd in the NFL. Uh, They're ranked near the bottom in a lot of key metrics and advanced numbers as well. Their pass defense in particular is horrific. Uh, They're not that much better stopping the run recently. Indy's going to move the ball and score against Minnesota. I know they're not a very good team, but that line is, you know, four points. I've seen some three and a halves out there. Um, Minnesota is an explosive offensive football team football team. They can throw the football. Justin Jefferson is special. You know, Cousins, forget the some of the numbers you've seen. He's been absolutely, re, you know, uh, spot on good with the game on the line. Um, he's got uh, six comebacks this year in the fourth quarter. He leads the league um, in that number, and he was sensational last week in the loss to Detroit. He threw for 425 yards um, and two touchdowns with no bad plays, no picks in the entire game, no fumbles. Um, I don't know if Minnesota can out score Indy tomorrow, but if they do, it's going to be like 31 to 28, 28 to 26, something like that. I'll take Indy plus the four. Um, I like Cleveland a little bit, but the Tyler Huntley situation is still not uh, totally set for Baltimore. So I think that line's going to change a little bit. That game is off the board for me in terms of the smell test. Let's go to Sunday. I gave out Jacksonville Um, For three straight weeks, it's now a fourth straight week. I gave them out uh, a few weeks ago against Baltimore. They won outright. I gave them out against Detroit. They got clobbered. I gave them out last week against Tennessee. They won easily. They're getting four. The public's loaded up on the Cowboys. Jacksonville still in the AFC South race. I'll take Jacksonville for a fourth straight week plus the four. How has Cincinnati won six in a row um, and been super impressive uh, in doing so and only laying three and a half at Tampa, a team that got destroyed last week by San Francisco? I'll take the Buccaneers plus the three and a half. And then Washington is laying four and a half to the Giants. This is a game that I think just the betting public feels like it should be a field goal one way or the other. So they're on the Giants. I'll take Washington and lay the four and a half. I've already given you my final score prediction of 23-10, so that would be a Washington under game. Uh, Louisville minus a point and a half. And then tomorrow also uh, Indy plus four. Sunday Jacksonville plus four. Tampa plus three and a half. And I'll go with Washington minus four and a half. That is the smell test for the week. I'm going to leave you with this. 40 years ago this weekend, a very famous Washington-New York Giant game. It was December 19th, 1982. That was the strike year. Washington was 5-1, and one, headed to an 8-1 and one record. Uh, and the number one seed, they would eventually win the Super Bowl, their first in Super Bowl 17. They had a game in December Uh, In the snow at RFK Stadium, that is one of those giant Redskin games that was memorable. The Giants were fighting for one of these playoff spots in what was an expanded playoff format that year in the strike season with only nine regular season games. Washington, uh, with a win, would clinch a playoff berth, but there was something more significant in the game. Mark Mosley had a chance to set the NFL mark 
for consecutive field goals. He had 18 consecutive coming into the game. He had already made two for 20, and one more would set the NFL mark at 21. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but back then, field goals were more difficult. You didn't have as many indoor stadiums. You didn't have as many big-legged kickers. You didn't have as many... You know, soccer-style kickers. Mosley was a straight-on kicker, but Mosley had a big leg. And Mosley was on his way to an MVP season. This game was also um, notable, as Andy Poland uh, pointed out to me via text this morning when I talked about this game on radio. This was the game where Joe Theismann had his two front teeth knocked out. And uh, in an interview at the end of the game with Jack Buck and Hank Stram, flashed that smile with the missing teeth. But the game was a memorable game. Snow falling, crowd into it. Mosley trots onto the field for a field goal with nine seconds to go with Washington trailing 14 to 12. Uh, I will leave you with the play that was called by Jack Buck and Hank Stram that day on the CBS telecast, a kick that not only set an NFL mark but clinched a playoff berth for Washington in one of those memorable Washington Giant games. I'll be back on Monday to recap Washington, New York, and all of the football over the weekend. Have a great weekend. Nine seconds left. Mosley takes a deep breath. It will be a 42-yard try. And they need a good snap. By Boston. It's good. And the kick is... Good! And the Redskins have the lead with four seconds left. And you folks just saw... 